I'm Carrie. And I'm Stephanie. And this is the Love and Nonsense Podcast. Hey, Carrie. Hey. How's it going? It's going. We are talking about first half of January movies. I know. And I feel like two out of three were good. I agree. The first one we're going to talk about is the worst one in <laughs> yes, it is our opinion. <laughs> And it is Where Your Heart Belongs, formerly known as Love is Trending, which cracked me up because I'm pretty sure they used that line in the movie. So that would explain the former title. But it has Christopher Russell, Jen Lilly, and it was just not good. No, and I don't actually, even know how to describe this movie. Yeah, I think the other title actually was better suited yeah, for that's the storyline. Because line. she's a social media influencer type person or wants to be she does the marketing stuff for clients basically i guess it would have fit better because her whole thing during this whole movie was i've got to make basically her friend's wedding trend on social media even though nobody knows her best friend it was just weird that was really strange to me i was like um nobody is going to see these photos her friend doesn't have that big of an like an audience or anything you know what i'm saying so it's like it was really strange to me that that was like oh let's make her i didn't like the storyline i know i don't even i still don't understand how they got quote unquote famous people like this DJ and the dress designer to promote her wedding and like do the stuff for her wedding to help it trend. I didn't understand how that helped them because she was literally a nobody. You know, like she was a regular person off the street. Yeah, if her best friend had happened to be like an actress or something, it would have made so much more sense. But her friend was a resident in a medical program. Didn't make sense. Didn't like it. Something else that didn't make sense, which was the first comment I made. So Jen's best friend is cousin is going to be Jen's love interest. And the cousin could not stop referring to Christopher Russell, her cousin, as her hot cousin. And it was weird how she just referred to him as her hot cousin, almost as if, I don't want to say like she was attracted to him, but... It was just very strange. I don't think I'd ever refer to any of my relatives as, oh, my hot whatever, you know? Yes. I didn't really notice this as much until you mentioned it. And then after you mentioned it, I was like, you know what? That is true. <laughs> and I agree with you. I I mean, I have a cousin who was really good looking. I actually have this really funny story because my niece, when she was like six, we went to his house and she met him and he was like, I don't know, 23. And as we're leaving, she like pulls on my hand and she's like, is he related to us? And I was like, yes. <laughs> she goes, oh, man. <laughs> like her six-year-old self had a chance. It was really funny. It was really, really funny. Sorry for telling that story. I won't mention which one of you it is. But it was really funny. And even then, I mean, he was a really good looking guy, but I would have never referred to him as my hot cousin. I know. Well, even just saying good looking sounds better than hot. I, I agree. I don't know. It was strange. So there there was that kind of weird moment. And then I also thought it was kind of weird. I mean, maybe this is random, but part of the storyline was that Jen and Christopher had always been friends because I guess she grew up with his cousin and him and they were like her best friends, right? Uh And then when her mom died years ago, he was there for her and really comforting and she just had these feelings for him. And I don't know, it was just this weird, almost taboo feeling of like pining for him and she knew he was off limits. And so she had to stay away and they had to stay away from each other because he was in a relationship and he knew he had feelings for Jen too, but he was still in this other relationship this whole time. And I don't know, it felt really off. 
to me. You know, and I did not even really, I could not get into that part of the storyline. I felt nothing about this story between them at all. It just seemed really odd. I honestly thought they didn't know each other until she gets there and they clearly know each other. I don't know. I mean, what can we say? It's just weird. It was weird. The two things that stood out to me, one ties into your comment about like, how did she get famous people? The dresses. She gets her friend in this dress and is like, you look extraordinary. And I was like, she does look extraordinary. That is right. (laughs) That dress was hideous. And it was not extraordinary in a good way. So I was really irritated about that whole line or that whole scene situation. Well, I thought that whole, are you still talking about that montage or are you just going to a different topic? No, I was going to talk about the dress again, but go ahead. Well, I just wanted to say, I thought that whole montage where like normally they do a fun person dress up in different kinds of things and it's supposed to be Mm -hmm. cute and it's supposed to be funny. Well, this was not cute and it wasn't funny and they played some weird music during it. And I was like, this is just weird. (laughs) I agree. It was an attempt at something and it wasn't good. Yeah. And I think the reason it wasn't good I feel like the reason it wasn't good was mainly because of my other point in this. I'm over these stories where people suck as friends. You know what I'm saying? Like, she was like a horrible, horrible person in general for the vast majority Mm -hmm. of the movie. And then you're supposed to love that she gets together with him and is like, he who literally doesn't ever use the internet and doesn't have a cell phone, you can call him on his landline. And her who's like on the phone so much that her friend has to text her across the table to get her attention. It was just, I'm over these storylines with people like this. Well, I thought you were going to go, I mean, I agree with that. I thought you were going to say you're over the storyline of her being a bad friend as in like the Beverly Hills wedding movie where it's these best friends who purposely, well, I don't know if I'd say purposely, but they try to push their friend into doing something else for the wedding that's clearly not to their taste. Because that's no, always how it goes in these. I totally agree. I think that falls into it. It's There were two parts of it here, and I think that also played another part. She was just a doubly bad friend in this movie. Mm-hmm. She was just terrible. Yeah. Um, and then the other one about that was, do we really believe that this baker is like, you can only have vanilla or chocolate? Maybe. Possibly. It was a small town. The lady, I mean, if she, she sticks to her guns, I don't know. I feel like it'd be the perfect opportunity for someone to come in and just put something in and everybody would leave that lady behind. <laughs> put in another bakery and everybody's leaving her behind. And you only have to Maybe. offer three types of cake. <laughs> She's just got magical cake. So everybody's like, I don't care if it's just vanilla or chocolate. I'll take it. I was like, this is so stupid. I mean, they did follow it up with the little conversation about, you remember when you wanted her to do something different for your 13th birthday or blah, 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 whatever it was. Mm -hmm. But anyway, uh, (laughs) I didn't like any of that. I will say that the fiance is correct. Kisses on the head do work. Do you remember this story? Oh, yeah. I thought, that was a, I thought that was a funny part when he was trying to give him advice on how to get Jen to like him. And he's like, kiss her on the cheek. No, the forehead. Girls love. Girls love that. The they do love it. If there's any guys out there. Please. Yes. Because it's such like a cute thing, you know? Um, so that was one of the good parts. Yeah. And then I wrote down two other good parts. Okay. One was the towel whipping. <laughs> and I think that was good for me because it was so different. I don't know. It was just like Christopher and Lily Lily and Jen were just snapping their these towels at each other like you're in a locker room kind of thing. But it was a cute interaction, playful that we don't really see a lot in these movies. 
So I liked that one. And then the other scene was when they did kind of the bachelorette party, but it was a camp out and it was very pretty and I like a gazebo thing. They had s'mores. I thought that was fun. Okay, so I really liked that camp out scene too. It was probably the best whole scene of the entire movie. Yeah, I would agree with that. The other thing that I liked was how the dad really wanted him to like step up to the plate with mm-hmm. her. And I liked his line where he said, losing a plot of land ain't nothing. Losing at love is something to fret over. Yeah. He's like, plus you'll get a really great father-in-law. Basically, everyone else in this movie was fine, except for Jen. And because she was, her character was so terrible, it just kind of eked out into everybody else and yeah. ruined the movie. I feel like it was not Jen Lilly's fault. I definitely feel like it was the writer's fault for the way they wrote the character. Yeah. The whole storyline is just terrible. And so this brings me to my other big thing that I hated about this movie. Mm -hmm. The whole ending of the movie. From where the wedding stuff start to the, the end of the movie. I thought it was so strange that she's like having these heartfelt moments with Jen's character, the bride is, with Jen's characters. And then she's like, come on, dad, let's go. And I was like, shouldn't your heartfelt moments be with like your, at least pretend like you care about your dad. (laughs) It was so awkward to me. And then she's like walking down the aisle and she's like, hi guys, hi guys, hi guys. I'm like, look at your groom. Was this not weird? I didn't even notice that. I noticed that I liked her wedding dress. And then this, I noticed something at the reception when they did their I love you declarations. I thought it was very awkward and strange. I definitely wrote her her I love you was very horrible. It was well, like she didn't just, mean it. Well, that and we rarely get the actual full on I love you. I love you conversation. Mm-hmm. Most of the time because these things are, you know, they're pretty fast. I guess they felt okay saying the words in this movie because they had known each other since they were kids. But they hadn't actually seen each other in years. And most of the time she was home in this movie, she was terrible. And then they were just like, I love you. I love you too. And did this big kiss and it was just strange. And he got down on one knee. Yeah, I thought he was going to propose. I was like, what is happening? The whole thing. He didn't propose, but it was not good. And then they had the gay best friend stereotype, which was terrible as well. Yeah. It, I couldn't deal it with it. It was just movie, overdone. The, o- the only thing that I did enjoy about the wedding whole scene, did you notice who the preacher was? No. Who was it? It was the dad in Christmas Time is Here. Christmas Time is Here. The Rakaya Bryant. Oh, so you need to say the Rakaya GAC movie. <laughs> that's, how I, that's how I know that movie. <laughs> okay. The Rakaya... GAC movie. Okay, then yes, I recognize the dad. <laughs> but then I realized he was in a lot of movies, so I looked it up. He was in Christmas Time is Here, Santa Stakeout, Five More Minutes, and Unexpected Christmas. He did a lot this season. Yeah, he did. Good for him. I mean, only one was a kind of leading role, right? So it's mm-hmm. not like Jake, who was in three movies as a leading role. <laughs> but Yeah, but still, still, this is an honorary award. Good job. (laughs) Yep. And I will end with, I really hated the end. I do not like public kisses. Usually when it's not the first public kiss, like when it's not the first kiss, I can get behind it more. The whole thing was horrible that I love you didn't set it up well. I I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. So let's get into ratings. (laughs) Okay. This is going to be low. So for setting, I'm going to give it a two. Because it wasn't a great setting. Also, 
They were maple tapping, whatever, the sap again, in a cedar forest, which I saw someone else comment this. I didn't come up with this myself, but I had to laugh that they were tapping on the wrong trees. So two stars for setting. Okay, I can get behind your two stars for setting because of that. I would not have known that it was a cedar forest, but I can get be- I put it as a three because I was like, there was nothing special about it. But I'll go with two with you. Thank you, Carrie. You're welcome. And then for style... I am going to give it a, oh, I actually gave it a four because I I liked a lot of uh, Jen's outfits, actually. I thought they were cute and I liked the wedding dress. Okay. I actually thought that you were going to be mad at me because I also gave it a four. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I thought you were going to give it a low one. And I was like, oh, dear. <laughs> I loved, actually loved a lot of her outfits and I specifically wrote down the sunglasses when they were driving down. I really mm-hmm. thought those were cute. There were several. I liked the jacket, the pink jacket. She wore it several times. There was a lot of her outfits that I thought were really, really cute. So I agree. Yeah. And I did like the wedding dress. Not the not the one from that ugly designer. No, not the that real one. one. <laughs> the real one. Okay. So that was one good score. Now let's get back to the real stuff. Storyline <laughs> one. You know what? I should give this a zero. I like <gasps> writing around Christmas better than this. And I gave oh. that one like a zero. Zero. Wow. I gave it a two. And I thought I was low. You gave it a two? Yeah. I mean. Wow. Yep. Okay. Then whatever. I mean, it was bad. <laughs> and then for winter snowflakes, this is are definitely a zero. Are we even doing this? Like, like all of these yeah, are going to be zero. Yeah, because it's a zero. Actually, yeah, one zero. of these might not be zero. The perfect pairing It is snowy. So see, we're doing winter snowflakes. Zero with you. This looked like it should have been a fall movie is what I feel like. I feel like it could have been a summer movie or spring. I felt like the colors were summer, spring. There was a B-roll of the trees and they kind of looked like they were turning, starting to turn. Mm. So basically in any season but winter. Well, and I wouldn't have counted it in summer only because she was wearing boots a lot of the time. And they weren't like hiking oh, boots true. or something like that. They were like cutesy booty kind of things, which I think would be too hot for the summertime. Anyhow. Yep. It's a zero. And it's zero. a nonsense. Agreed. Okay. Moving on. Never to be talked about again. Oh, I did want to say one thing about Jen, Lily, that I forgot to mention. First of all, I mentioned earlier they had a lot of weird music choices. I tried to Shazam it. Could not tell if any of those were Jen Lily's songs, but I almost felt like maybe one or two of them were Hmm. because they were kind of prominent and I don't know. I felt like it might be. Second thing, Jen Lily has signed a four movie deal with GAC. So I don't know. I feel like this doesn't mean she's not going to be in Hallmark this year because I feel like his movies get filmed fairly quickly. But I mean, four movies for GAC this year. Who knows? Well, and you never know. I mean... I was looking earlier and a lot of the movies that they have for this year already were filmed last year. So potentially Mm. if she had already filmed something, it might still air. That's true. So So it might not be until next year that we may not see her on Hallmark, possibly. So those are my two Jen Lily things. Now we can move on. Okay. (laughs) To the Wedding Veil trilogy, the first movie with Lacey Chabert and Kevin McGarry. It was actually good. I really liked it. I was expecting to like it though. You were kind of on the fence. Mhm. Yeah. About it. So maybe that's why I liked it better than I thought I would. M- managing your expectations. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to talk about the elephant in the room? Sure. What's the elephant? No, I know what the elephant is. I was about to say if you're not going to talk about this. <laughs> okay. Now I'm like worried. Am I going to guess the right elephant? But here we go. Kevin McGeary 
is supposedly from Boston in this movie. Fine, whatever, I don't care. Until we get to them eating at a mac and cheese shack and he tries to have a Boston accent. And from then on, he tries to have a Boston accent. It's like the first half of the movie, he speaks normally. And then after that, it's very weird. Yep. When you messaged me, I hadn't started this yet. And I was like, oh, great. And then the first scene happens, zero accent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? She's specifically I was like, what's Stephanie this? hearing? <laughs> Like, I don't hear it. And then when it started, I was like, oh, my gosh, because the reason it stood out to me is we'd had the conversation, but also he says born and raised in Boston. And I was like, Mm -hmm. you don't sound like you were born and raised in Boston. I almost wonder if they shot. I feel like they always shoot these things out of order. So I wonder if Mm -hmm. they shot the last half first with this accent and then somebody started watching. I was like, oh, dude, you don't have a very good Boston accent. Let's drop it. And then when they filmed the last scenes which are actually the first scenes that's why he doesn't have one I kind of wondered the same thing but my thoughts were not that he told him to drop it but more that he forgot he was supposed to be doing it and no one else caught it it was fairly obvious I just and it had to have been a lot of work to keep it up because he was really trying with it yeah it was not good no it's worse than even Because you know how I hate when people have fake British accents. I mean, I hate when they all have fake accents, but I hate the fake British ones. It was worse than even that. Like, Boston is so niche that you just have to be from there if you're going to do it. And he's not. Or you have to have been around people for a really long time who have the accent. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like if you're if you've been immersed in it, let's say you've lived in Boston for the last 10 years and all your friends have the accent, you might be able to pull it off because you've heard it enough in conversational Bostonian. (laughs) Yeah, but Kevin did not pull it off. No, it was bad. It was really bad. And it was really worse because it was some of the time and not all of the time. I wish it had been he had it the first part of the movie and then afterwards he dropped it instead of like being good, normal in the first half. And then it's like afterwards you're like, ugh. I agree. It did draw more attention to it, I think. Because more happened in the second part of the movie. Uh, Did you feel like this movie kind of felt like the Godwink movies? And I kind of think this is going to be the feeling in the next two. Because so the whole premise is that this veil that they find in an antique shop brings your true love. And the way this veil is doing this is by almost having these Godwink coincidences where they happen to meet in a certain place. They happen to be here at a certain time. Did you feel that way? Um, I can definitely see where you're... I didn't specifically feel like that in the movie, but now that you've said it, I definitely could see where you would feel like that was the case. It definitely was a lot of coincidences, specifically with them both being there for whatever they were there for, and then both of them being from Boston, and then happening to work together, and then... But I will also say... That's not that big of a surprise for these Hallmark movies. Like, I feel like they always have like these, I ran into this person or we have this in common or we, you know what I'm saying, kind of situation. So I didn't feel like it was so far out there other than the fact that they were out of, they weren't in Boston when they met and they had those things in it together. Yeah, I think it's just because they meet in San Francisco, then they randomly meet again in San Francisco the same day, Mm -hmm. and then they find out they're both from Boston, randomly meet in Boston, and some other things. So I get what you're saying with 
these Hallmark movies always going to have them meeting, obviously. But it felt like more so in this movie than normal. I agree. And I'll be interested to see, like you said, Autumn Reeser is going to Italy. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's real or not, but she's going to Italy. And so her guy is named Paolo and he's Italian. So I they're not going to have that unless unless he's like, oh, where was she from? New York or something? Oh, mm-hmm. you know, I lived there for a while or something. You know what I'm saying? Something like that that comes up. Yeah. So that will be interesting to see. I'm excited for that. I wish. So this made me think of kind of with the sister swap movies where I wish that they had all been together more in the movie instead of doing these video call things. Mm-hmm. Because, again, part of the interesting factor in these movies is that you're with these other stars of the Hallmark Channel. So I was wishing that like Allison and Autumn would be actually in the room with Lacey more. I do think they were together more than like Kimberly and Ashley were in their sister swap movies, but I don't know. I wish they were more involved. Yeah, I feel like they could have written the storyline where they all live in the same city, right? Mm -hmm. Initially, and then maybe... The first movie, they're more together. And then after that, they kind of go off in their separate ways because one's going to go to Italy. Maybe Allison's character ends up getting a job offer and moves somewhere else. And then you've at least set the precedent with the first movie. But I did think it was better than Sister Swap, though, in that aspect. It's just weird because like Hallmark is even like they popped up the title of the movie at the bottom corner, you know, and it just says special appearances by and then it lists the other two women. I'm like, they're not even considered main characters because they're just special appearances. So it's just strange to me. I wish they would mesh these more. But at least we're moving in the right direction by even having them in the same movie. Well, I'll be interested to see if we have the problem in Autumn Reeser's movie where they recap a bunch of what happened in the first movie and just replay the scenes. I don't think they will because one thing I thought this movie did well and was interesting was the movement of time Mm -hmm. because we had them meet and then we skipped ahead a few weeks, then we skipped ahead a few weeks again, then we skipped ahead months at the end. Mm Mm-hmm. So I feel like we're just going to keep rolling with the story and not have a ton of recap. That is true. It wasn't like parallel stories because Mm -hmm. the handoff for the veil happens to Autumn's character at the end of the movie, eight months after really the story. Lacey's story ends. We're spoiling this. So I guess you expect that from us. Basically, the bulk of the movie ends with Lacey and Kevin getting together surprise nobody would have ever expected it by the name of the movie (laughs) oh i know (laughs) but then we eight months time jump to the future and it's at Lacey and kevin's wedding and so that's where she's going to hand off the veil to autumn after she's married yep which i liked that we did the time jump to the wedding because i was worried we weren't going to see the weddings when they're an important part considering the veil Mm -hmm. however I thought it was a really long scene that didn't need to be as long as it was. I agree. And I did not like something specific about this whole thing. Their I do's were horrible. Horrible. They were like, weren't they pretty basic? Yeah, but I feel like you could have done like a montage or something and made it better without them actually saying I do or anything. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just did. I really did not like it. I mean, we needed to see the wedding, obviously, but I agree that they could have fed through. We see them at their under the arch thing with the 
pastor or whoever, and then we skip to the reception because really the reception's the important part where she does the handoff, and then we just call it a day. And but there it's was where, too much in between. And it's where they identify the fact that the veil in the painting that Kevin and her have been restoring for the the gala they were working on is the wedding veil, and that's the reason Autumn's going to take it and research it in Italy when she goes to Italy. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know why this was not brought up earlier. When they showed that finished painting and unveiled it, I was like, that's supposed to be the veil. But it's like, you then go on like another 25 minutes or something like that, it felt like, before they actually bring it up. There was no shock on her part that that's what it looked like. Nothing. (laughs) That's why I think things got a little long towards the end. I mean, when I first saw the painting, not even restored, I was like, oh, that's the veil. So I I felt like it was fairly obvious from the very beginning that it was the veil. Well, it definitely could have been. I am also colorblind, so sometimes I don't see those details nearly as good as some other people do. Well, she looked at the, there was a signature at the bottom, and it looked like the same A that was on the veil as well. Oh. So I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure this is the same thing. Okay, that makes sense. I may have just not been looking up at that moment in time. I was multitasking. That's okay. That's all the notes I have for that. I have one combo note. I did find it interesting. The first half of the movie plus was spent with the conflict that he thinks that she's getting married because of the veil. And mm-hmm. which I thought was cute. When they got there, when when they got both got back to Boston, I thought it was interesting the way they were able to keep that going because the friend was getting married. And so he was running into them having tastings or her going to pick out a DJ or, you know, whatever. I thought that was really interesting. I did feel like it went on for too long, though, specifically mm. because when he asks, when's the wedding? She says, oh, a month away. And then the month away happens and her friend gets married and he was invited. He doesn't put two and two together that it wasn't her wedding. Yeah, I thought that was a little weird. And then she tells him at the wedding. But I did think the scene when he found out that the wedding was in four weeks and he thought it was Lacey's was really funny because he like drops his fork and kind of freaks out like, what? Yep. <laughs> so I thought that was sweet. It was, but, It was. I mean, I yeah. liked it. I just, I thought it went on too long, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's all I got. So for setting, I am going to give it a three just because I didn't think it was that special. I gave it a four. I really liked the art gallery thing. I don't know why. I just kind of liked it. It was interesting that the museum was like in a house. Instead of like one of these, like the, I was going to make an Atlanta reference, the High Museum of Art. <laughs> like the the NC whatever museum of art thing, <laughs> where it's like a super modern building with this artwork in it. And then for style, I'm actually going to give it a five because I really liked all of Lacey's outfits. They were all super cute. And her hair was always very pretty with these scarves. And then Allison had this really pretty mint jumpsuit at the beginning. I'm just like, everybody looks so good in this movie. So it gets a five. It gets a five for me too, but I hated that mint jumpsuit. (laughs) What? I was actually thinking, I really hope her, I like the style in her movie. (laughs) That's going to be really funny, actually, if you don't. I know. uh, But I agree. Every single outfit that Lacey wore, I go, that's so cute. Oh my gosh, that's so cute. And I did really love the first, the purple dress where she wore the scarf in her hair where it was half up, half down. Mm -hmm. And I really loved the scarf in that one. I thought it was just, it was so cute. It made me want to go put a scarf in my hair. I know, me too. (laughs) But I don't think I'd look the same. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Oh gosh. And then for storyline, I'm going to give it a four because it was different and 
I liked it better than I thought I would. I gave it a four also. Woohoo. We're Go same old, we're same old, same old on this. I know. Oh, wait, no. And you then, gave the set of three. I gave the set of four. Never mind. We're not exactly the same. Oh, whoops. Well, we're going to be the same on this because this has zero winter snowflakes because it felt very spring-like to me. It was definitely a spring movie. Zero. And then this is hard for me on the love and nonsense part because technically I should say it's a love, but I don't know that I actually want to rewatch it. And that's what would make me lean more towards nonsense. Well, you better get ready because the first week in February is a re-airing of this movie. Well, I ain't watching it. <laughs> I gave it a love, so. I figured. It was still good. I would still say watch it if you haven't watched it. Okay. So good job on the trilogy start, at least. I agree. And then lastly, North to Home, which we don't have a ton to say about just because it was so good and we were just watching it, I think. I will tell you, I think I cried for the last 45 minutes of this movie. I got teary-eyed. I didn't full-on cry like, because you sent me a video. I wasn't looking like you. (laughs) I'm such a sucker for, like, I cry a lot very easily at movies and television shows and basketball games and, like, stuff on television. I cry very easily. And I like was almost sobbing. It was like, I was like, oh, this is so sweet. (laughs) And it was just a very good movie. Yeah. And the premise for this movie is that the three sisters are biological sisters, but they were adopted by Barbara Niven's character, who um, was a tour guide, a mountain tour guide or whatever, taking their her parent their parents up on a mountain. And then there's like the rock slid and the, the parents and another couple died in the rock slide. And Barbara Niven's obviously lived and ended up they were best friends with her and her husband were best friends with with the couple the the parents and so they took in the daughters yeah i am very curious to know how barbara's character survived when four other people did not survive the avalanche i agree like how did she make it through i have no idea i i mean i have no idea either i was kind of wondering about that but then i was like she couldn't have adopted them if she had not lived so that's probably why that's true Uh, so i thought that if i'm looking at my very bare notes i thought some of the conflict was going to be with the oldest sister hannah Mm -hmm. and barbara's character because when we first see her she's talking with her sister beth which is kimberly sestad and she calls barbara's character suzanne and Beth's like, don't call her that because they call her mom. And I'm like, ooh, I think there's some tension here. But then afterwards, she calls her mom too. So I was like, I guess there isn't that tension. Well, I think that that was a very poorly developed storyline because I noticed that too. And it's not even like after she calls her mom. As soon as she gets there and sees her in person, she says to her face, mom, but behind her back is calling her Susan. Yeah, it was kind of odd. I'll forgive it, though, because they actually had a lot of different Mm storylines that were complicated. And I thought they executed all those pretty well, considering. I do agree. I really enjoyed the way it came together. I mean, you get resolution for all three sisters' problems. And so Hannah's problem is is that she's concerned she might be pregnant, but nobody knows that she might be pregnant. And then Beth is mad at her because she's pulling away from Beth's children, who are the same age that Beth and Posey were when their parents died. And she does mention later on in the movie that they remind her of them when the parents died so it's it, it's like they got old enough that it was a hard 
point for her to like look at them and not think about the parents dying, I guess. And and then but Beth's real problem was about being a stay at home mom versus going back to work and dealing with that with her husband and her family. And then Posey's problem is, is that she's expected to take on the family business, but really wants to go climb mountains across the world. All kind of not spoken, lots of secret kind of working through things within themselves. And then really when they come together and what really stems the resolution of the problems is when the love interest for Posey, it comes out that he is actually the son of the other couple that died on the mountain. And it became this thing and it actually gave Barbara Niven's character ability to really resolve the issues that she had been holding on to for 25 years. I thought that that was very sweet the way that that all came together. And I did not see that coming. Did you see that coming? Yeah. I figured when he was like, he said something to Posey about, oh, your parents are from Michigan. And I was like, are they going to somehow try and make them related? And I was like, no, he's probably just the kid about of the other couple. Oh. And then he is the kid of the other couple. And I, was I like, did that would not be see this because coming. the kids, the kids would get together of the parents. So, yeah. Yeah. I definitely didn't see it coming. I wonder if that's more because you're a writer. So you were paying attention to the details of that more. I did not put that together. And I was actually very surprised when it came out. And and Hannah's the one who noticed it and is like, wait a second, you've reached out to us before. And then and then Beth's like, you reached out to me too. And then the the husbands is are like, come on, kids, let's go. Yeah. I just want to say that these were really great husbands. I loved both of them. They were so supportive and sweet. Normally, I don't care for the movies where the people are already married. You know, we deal with their Mm -hmm. problems. But since this wasn't really the focus of one movie and it was just they were just side characters mostly, I appreciated just seeing them being married and seeing how they treated their wives and them working through their relationship stuff. I was just like, these are such good husbands. I know. I I really agreed. And, you know, the one Hannah's husband is that guy. I don't know what his name is, but he's in a ton of these movies. And sometimes he's Mm -hmm. the person that you love to hate. I was going to say he's the one you love to hate in the Christmas house, too. Yeah, exactly. And I really enjoyed seeing him in a in a role where he really was very loving to her. And you could see that they were getting to the point that she's calling this doctor. It's not said that she thinks she's pregnant, but she's obviously kind of concerned with the news she's going to get. And he's there at the airport and he like looks over and sees this kid. And you can tell he would be totally fine with being a dad. But they had decided they mm-hmm. didn't want kids. And now she's pregnant and I loved his reaction I just thought that was so sweet yeah I will say that I liked the storyline of them agreeing like they didn't want kids and it was okay I wasn't like upset that she ended up being pregnant and they had changed their minds like that's fine but I did appreciate at first that they were like you know that's not going to be for us and we're fine with it so there was that but yeah I think this is the favorite my favorite movie with that guy in it yeah I also like the storyline Kim Sestad's character storyline where she wants to go back to work and she gets an offer from somebody she hated working with. And Mm -hmm. the husband's like, why are you doing this now? And it's like, she gave up the, she says, no, I'm not going to do it. And then kind of sends her some emails about it and blah, blah, blah. And it was like, I didn't love his reaction initially, like making the decision for them. No, we're not doing this. Like it's not even up for discussion. But then the more that you saw the late way that this lady treated her, You can kind Mm -hmm. of understand, like, he made the point she's a horrible person to work. You hated working there, you know? So why would you want to go back to something that you hated? 
And so as the movie progressed, I didn't hate it as much. And he was definitely more open to it. She said, yeah, I want to look into going back to work, but not for her. And he was definitely more open to it. But I was like, at first, I was like, wait a second. See, I didn't feel too harshly about that just because I think he was just trying to protect her because he made that point like, I don't know why you'd want to go back to work with someone you hate. And I liked how he kept pointing out like you were the one who wanted to be a stay at home mom, mm-hmm. you know, to show like I'm not the one who forced you. It's fine if you want to work, you know, it's just this is kind of out of the blue. And then at the end when he's like, I still I want to work from home more to kind of give you your time. I'm glad they were able to have those conversations. And he realized I need to give you more space to be yourself outside of just being a mom kind of thing. Yeah. So it's like, oh, good job. Yeah. I like the way that that came back together. And I liked Lindsay's story coming back together too. how she ends up with him and they're going to go to Switzerland and climb some mountains. And kind of how, like, I like the fact that the characters can bond over their parents being in the same situation or whatever. And then both of them really going towards healing on it. And they're, they're not afraid to go and do the adventurous things, even though their parents died in a mountain climbing. They still love it and they want to do it. And, you know, he was even, his book was even on healing. I don't, I don't really understand the concept of the book. <laughs> But it was on healing if you've lost someone specifically in mountain climbing accidents or something like that. But I thought it was sweet that it was like it was a form of healing for them. I thought that was a very different storyline type deal. Like I'm going to like who thought of this? I'm going to write a book about grieving and loss for the survivors of people who've been lost in accidents and like avalanches and stuff. And I'm like, this is so interesting. I guess we have more to say than we thought. I know. I will say I have two more things written down. I did write a quote that says, sometimes you find your calling, but sometimes your calling finds you. It's like, that was sweet. And then I absolutely adored the velveteen rabbit scene at the end where the little girl picks the velveteen rabbit book and she says, oh, your Aunt Hannah used to read this to us. And then Posey comes in and Posey joins them on the bed. Then Hannah comes in and then Hannah gets to read to them. And they had done that flashback earlier of Hannah reading to Posey and Beth in the bed, probably that exact same bed when Mm -hmm. They right after they had lost their parents. And I just thought that was the sweetest. That really got me. I thought that was really cute, too. And I actually thought the movie was going to like end there almost. And then we moved on. I was like, oh, yeah, we haven't resolved everything yet. (laughs) But I was like, that would have been a cute ending. It would have been a cute ending. Rating? So... Mm-hmm. So for the setting, I'm giving it a five because it was beautiful. I don't know if they were in Alaska, if it was somewhere in Canada, but it was ritty with all the mountains and everything. It was Canada. It was like Vancouver, I think outside of Vancouver. But I agree. I gave it a five. It's close enough that it looks like Alaska. <laughs> you couldn't mm-hmm. look at it and say, oh, that's definitely not Alaska. So it, it was very pretty. And it was, I mean, not to skip ahead, but it was somewhat wintry. <laughs> It was. It was somewhat wintry. So good job because the setting was great. And then for style, I'm going to give it a three because it wasn't like exciting, but style wasn't really the focus of the movie, which it never is. But no, I agree. I gave it a three also. The only thing that really stood out to me, I thought all of the, it was mostly sweaters and jeans and whatnot, but there was a, I really liked her striped sweater she was wearing when they hold hands and she kisses him. 
at the diner or bakery or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I liked that sweater specifically, but that's the only thing that's really stood out to me. And then storyline, I give it another five because it was really different. They had a lot to cover and I think they covered it pretty well. I will agree. I give it a five also. And it's a love. Wait, snowflakes. And it's a three (laughs) snowflakes. I'm going to give it a four snowflake because... I really felt like the setting of it and the way it was filmed and kind of like this winter darkness, like the way winter feels really fit Mm -hmm. the storyline really well. Um, Okay. I can actually, I can almost give it a four too because I forgot down, I wrote down they had a lumberjack fest and- Oh, they totally did. That felt very wintry, cozy to me. And you know how I love lumberjacks. Uh So- (laughs) can get with a four okay yes i i convinced you on one and you convinced me on one <laughs> yay Woo-hoo. and i also give it a love yes best movie of the weekend i agree possibly best movie of the month but we shall see <laughs> butlers in love is gonna totally blow this one out of the water <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh so yeah that wraps up this review episode next is um so, a mystery do recap do for 2020 so we're going to talk about all those mystery movies that came out last year. No, you said 2020? Yeah, 2021. That's Not 2021? No, it is 2021. I had accidentally written down 2020 because I, when I was 2021, okay. when I wrote 2020, thinking next, last year. All these years are seriously running together when you're stuck inside because of a pandemic. So true. <laughs> okay. So. Well, that's what we'll talk about next. Bye. All right, guys. Bye. So subscribe to the podcast so you can get notified when we have new episodes released. And if you're on Apple Podcast, we'd love it if you leave us a review. Apparently, those are really super helpful in getting your podcast seen and our social media. Yes. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Love and Nonsense Podcast. Talk to you later. Bye.